Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I'm excited to read this week's review. It comes from a current student in my pattern writing course and a dear Instagram friend. We will meet in real life one of these days. It comes from Liza Taylor of at Liza Taylor Handmade. Liza says, my favorite podcast. I can't even tell you how much I love this podcast. Elizabeth is such a savvy businesswoman and is so open with her business knowledge. I walk away from every podcast having learned something that I can apply to my own business, and I'm so grateful for that. This is a must-listen for any creative entrepreneur out there wanting to start or grow their business. Liza, thank you so much, and if you haven't seen Liza's account, it is absolutely beautiful. And I can also say that I've seen some of her work of patterns she's creating, and she's got some great things in store. So Liza, thank you so much for that review. If you also want a shout out and you are enjoying the podcast, leave a review along with your Instagram name or your name, and I will read that and give you a shout out on the podcast. So this week, I invited a guest, Heather Sager, and I don't normally get super nervous when I record a podcast, but I will say I was nervous for this one. Heather is a public speaking coach. And so here I am, public speaking by public speaking on my podcast, and the guest is someone who helps people improve their public speaking. Not to mention, she's just super dynamic, and she has worked with someone who I have heard personally public speak, and their public speaking was just, I mean, phenomenal. It blew me out of the water. So when I found out that that speaker had used Heather as their coach, I was like, oh yeah, okay, we are going to have her on the podcast. I need to learn all that I can from her. So I cannot wait for you to meet and hear and learn from Heather Sager. So let's jump in and meet Heather. All right, Heather, I am so excited to have you on the Craft a Career podcast. Me too. We're finally doing it, Elizabeth. (laughs) I know. Well, and I mean, just so my listeners know, I was in Amy Porterfield's uh, DCA, Digital Course Academy, and Zafira is a copywriter. She was a guest. And when she spoke, I kid you not, not just me, but everyone who was in that listening to her speak was just mesmerized. And then I found out that she had hired you as a coach to help her prepare to speak. And I was like, okay, you've got to come. You've got to come on the podcast and tell us your secrets. And so for our listeners, can you share a bit about what you do, what your career is? Yes. Okay. I love this. Love Zafira. Oh my gosh. We developed such incredible stories uh, for anybody else who listened to it. Oh my gosh. The eyebrow story will go down in history is one of my favorites. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, so technically speaking, I'm a speaking coach. I work specifically with entrepreneurs in the online space. So people who have are creating digital courses, programs, coaches, or service providers, but they're building some kind of online presence. And my specialty is helping people get really comfortable talking about their expertise and their topics in a way that drive results in their business. So it's not just about getting better technically speaking with communication. It's about developing your ability to be persuasive, to be what I call magnetic in how you show up so that other people love being around you and they get a lot of value in the interactions with you and then want to work with you. Okay, I need this. So how does someone like <laughs> hire you? Is this, do you do one-on-one coaching? Like what What do you do? Yeah, so I, okay, so here's what's funny. As I started in the space, I'm a former executive turned on entrepreneur. I spoke on stages for years. And when I started in the online space, my goal was to create a digital course to teach other executives how to not be so boring on stage or even <laughs> running a staff meeting because, oh my gosh, poke my eyes out. <laughs> Corporate meetings were so terrible and I did them differently and, and people loved my meetings and had and how I would present at workshops. And so when I started in the space, I thought, man, okay, I can do that. And then very quickly I learned, I, I, sorry, I hated working with corporate companies because <laughs> the emails and the back and forth and, oh my gosh. And I realized that who I wanted to work with was other entrepreneurs just like me, because I wanted to feel 
awesome when I jumped on a Zoom call and work on a client and be able to use stories about threading your eyebrows. Or mm -hmm. uh, when I worked with Tyler McCall, we talked about um, this camping story for him when he was at camp as a kid and just using kind of personal quirky things to elevate our brand. So I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, whether it was Zafira or Tyler. I've worked with uh, Tarzan Kay or Scarlett Cochran. I, I work one-on-one -on -one with people, but most often I work with people in my program. So I've used the stuff that I do one-on-one, -on -one, and then I've created a group coaching program that's open um, for open enrollment year long. And I help people get their stories down. How do they talk about their own signature story? And then how do they craft their core messaging, which is what should I talk about on repeat to drive hunger and desire for my programs? And then how do I show up on podcasts like this or virtual summits or heck, even confidently do your live streams on Facebook or Instagram? So speak up to level up. That's my main program that I jam out all day long with business owners. Okay. And it Okay, so a couple of questions. I have all these questions. So those who have not heard the eyebrow story with Safira, let's just rest assured that it was amazing. She, somehow she talked about threading eyebrows that translated to, oh my gosh, I need her as my copywriter. So yeah, oh yeah. How, how did you pull that story from her? Like, how do you do that? Okay, so this is, we all have our gifts, right? Each of us have our gifts. And a lot of times we we don't really realize how we good we are at something, right? Until other people are like, how did you do that? So one mm -hmm. of my natural gifts is I love storytelling. Uh, over the years, I've studied storytelling. And most importantly, I've learned that, uh, you know, people don't just want stories, right? So, you know, uh, stories uh, for your audience to know, stories are a really powerful way to connect, but they're also technically speaking, a really great way to drive engagement because how our brains work, we get bored very easily. And when information becomes too hard to follow, we tune out. So stories help people tune in without any effort. So stories, technically speaking, are a very solid strategy when you're speaking. But for me, I have found that when a story is, um, dare, I'm going to say, too on the nose, meaning it's mm -hmm. so obvious why someone is telling the story, I feel like it loses its uh, the, the effectiveness of its quality. Like, for mm -hmm. example, when someone just shares their, I was born in Piedmont, North Dakota, and then this happened, and like people go into their life story, we kind of tune out a little bit because we know what to expect because the story is going to come to this pivotal moment that happened. And that's why we built our program. And now let me tell you about it. <laughs> Which mm, okay. we, we all have to have that story. And I teach how to do that. But what I find when we're delivering a keynote presentation like Zafira on Amy Porterfield stage, I like to use something that I call a sparkly story, which is a story that I find is seemingly not relatable to what's about to happen because it piques people's interest. It increases the likability factor of, oh my gosh, we're actually more alike than I realized. It pulls a connection between your audience. It shows humor. It shows connectedness and relatability. You can infuse so many pieces of your personality, which for anyone to know, Zafira teaches how to bring more personality to your copy. So it was important for us to show her personality right out of the gate. So what it all starts with is what's the point? So what's the point of your talk? And then what we do is we find a story that can roundabout make that point and then make the story really powerful to connect the dots. Okay. And in the group coaching in this group that you offer is, do you like highlight, is there one person that gets to sit in the hot seat or how, how is it beneficial on a oh group setting? Oh my gosh. Setting? I love that we're geeking out and going down this path. Like, but how, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. So I, I've learned, I, for me and my program, I didn't want just a digital course where people would, I have all the templates and the swipes. We do something where I teach people how to create their own story vault so that they always have a list of stories they can pull from. And they're never thinking like, oh, my life is boring. Or I don't know how to tell a story that actually has a payoff for the audience. So we teach all that. But a big part of it is we do live sessions every month. We actually go live three times in a Zoom room, two of which are what we call office hours, where people bring their questions, they bring their content, they bring their stories, and we work through them and make them better. So we actually dig into their content, help people get over their roadblocks. It might be developing their content, or it might be uh, they're trying to get on more stages, so they're struggling with pitching. Or maybe they're working to get paid to speak. So we work through how do we better negotiate their speaking fee? Like how do they really portray that value to a, um, a host or a event planner 
So they can confidently say, and my fee is $2,200. So we'll, we'll work mm-hmm. on that. And then once a month, we do something that's my favorite called the Level Up Lab, where people actually come and practice the skill of speaking. So they'll actually Mm. bring their stories or we will do like you and I do an interview right now. I mock interview people inside my program where they show up, they interview each other and practice being on podcasts, practice telling those stories. But the, the idea of speaking, we think we can get better just by imagining what we're going to say. That doesn't work. You actually have to practice. So we give them the space every single month to do so. Okay. Very cool. And I saw, I, so I'm subscribed to your, I think it was in your newsletter that you sent this out or maybe on a podcast, but there was someone who wanted to be a better public speaker and you listened and it was fine, but there were some grammatical things, some things that you could help her with. Does everyone, can everyone improve? Like, are there, is this something everyone needs? Okay, this is like, I'm imagining a moment like on the E! channel with fashion police who could maybe sit on the (laughs) side of the road and like look at everyone and find something wrong with their outfit and tell them how they can get better. (laughs) Sure, every single person can improve. Like the skill of speaking, I'm still getting better at it. There are fundamental uh, components that make a really uh, well-polished speaker, a really effective speaker. Uh, The bigger question is, what do we want to? Do we want to become better speakers? So where I always start with people is you don't have to get better at speaking if you're already rocking, you're already rocking your goals. So if you're already happy with um, the feedback from your clients, the results from your programs, you're happy with how many leads you're getting, you're happy with um, the revenue in your business. If you're happy with your outcomes, well, then heck no, you don't have to do anything different. But the question mm-hmm. comes, which what you were talking about was a story of a client who was who was technically good. She was really comfortable. She was showing up on live. She'd actually done a lot of speaking events. The challenge was she wanted to be at a different level in her business. She she wasn't happy with the growth of her business. She wasn't happy with the conversion rates of her sales funnel. She wasn't happy with um, the lack of booking speaking engagements. So for her, the necessity to get better, i.e. she was using a lot of filler words. Her voice was, um, how do I say this in a nice way? There wasn't a lot of character to it. She had this really big personality, but when she showed up on a stage, that personality became a little muted because she was Mm -hmm. trying to be this persona of what she thought professional sounded like versus sounding like herself. And for her, she also went off on a lot of tangents and rambling. And for the goal she had of wanting to be more effective and more memorable, she needed to up-level her skills. So for anyone listening, it's, can you get better? Sure. But the question is, what's the point? What are you trying to do? And could the skill of speaking help you get closer to that goal? Interesting. Okay. So my audience, there's, it's, we're quilters. And I, I foresee a lot of my students saying, I don't really see myself speaking in public. You know, I write quilt patterns and I sell them. So would this be beneficial? I mean, in what areas does this help people who don't traditionally see themselves as public speakers? Yes. Okay. So this, uh, this is something that we talk about all the time. And I actually laugh because most people, when they hear speaking coach, they think, oh, you work with speakers. And I laugh and say, no, I, I actually don't work with speakers at all. Like if you want a speaking coach for professional speakers, it's not me. I'm not a professional speaker. I don't speak in the speaking circuit. I didn't choose to do that because what I found is as entrepreneurs, we forget that we talk to people every single day. Mm-hmm. And even if we're not speaking on those giant event stages or arenas or conferences or on quote unquote traditional public speaking avenues, I like to look at it as a stage is simply a platform to share your message. So the question is, what stages are you showing up in right now? So if you sell digital products online, do you show up on social media? Are you talking on lives? Do you do videos to sell your to, to sell your stuff? Do you do sales calls? I don't know what's true specifically for those listening, but you have to start saying how and where do I already talk to people specifically about my business? And one of the things that I find most often is uh, if we think about inside paid products or training, when we show up to to teach and and deliver information, we have to be mindful that the way that we deliver the information either helps someone take the next step or we create more confusion and complication in how we explain things. So we have to think about is the way that we're articulating 
our expertise? Is it one, clear and organized, but two, is it compelling? Is it just that we're delivering information or are we helping people feel excited, feel that they can do this, feel that confidence that they can stick with it even when things become challenging? Communication isn't mm-hmm. just on a stage. It's you're, you're creating confidence for your end user in your voice, in how you explain things, in the entertainment factor, if you choose to use stories. You really can help people be more successful with your products if you can become a more effective and persuasive communicator. Agreed. And for those who are listening to this, I would venture to say that if you're not showing up with your voice, that you should be. It's a really great way to connect with your audience, whether it's through stories or whatever that might be. But it's just such a great way to connect and add value. So I'm curious, Heather, if you can like show me an example, either with me or with someone you've worked with in the past, where you've pulled out like do your magic. What, what, how would you pull something? And I'm putting you on the spot here. So <laughs> put me on the spot, baby. Well, let's, let's give some context. So, uh, tell yeah. me, Elizabeth, where's, uh, where's someone or somewhere that you might be speaking here relatively soon, whether it's on a social media stage or maybe, uh, well, maybe it's a podcast episode, but let's, let's make it tangible. What, what's something that you might be speaking about soon? Yeah. So, well, okay. One thing that comes to mind. So I offered a course last February, um, and it was my first time offering it. And the price was probably higher than most people was, were expecting. And I knew the value was above what people were getting but people weren't buying it as quickly as I thought. And I asked, past, you know, people who knew me, what do you think the hiccup might be? And they said, well, the cost. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. I need to help people understand the value of what they're getting from this. And I did a bit, I mean, when I started and it felt salesy, but you have to kind of put yourself out there and let people know. So anyways, tips, I guess on that, on how Mm -hmm. to sell a product and add value through what you're saying. Let me give you an example mm-hmm. of this that I used to use. So, uh, so my background before starting my business, I was a, an executive at a management firm in the medical space. And specifically I worked with hearing care doctors, hearing care doctors. They, uh, help people with their ears, they're audiologists, and they go to school as doctors to help people hear. And then they get out in the world and realize that a big part of their job is selling hearing aids because hearing aids aren't covered by insurance. I tell all this to you because what happens is I have to help audiologists learn how to sell, which felt very uncomfortable. And one of the the main mantras and things that I taught all the time was when you um, when you uh, tell someone the, um, the the reason for why something costs money after you, um, or, or after you have touched their ears in this scenario, so it's, let's say you give them the hearing test and then you tell them all the details of it, there's this perception that they're being sold to. So it's like, right here, let me do the quote unquote test and now let me tell you all the reasons why you need to spend $8,000 on hearing aids, which by the way, for anyone listening, I have a hearing loss, I wear hearing aids, I'm very like in tune with all those things. Um, mm. I bring this up because there's a distinct difference, right? If I go in and get a hearing test, let's pretend I didn't wear hearing aids, but I needed them. If I go in and get a hearing test and somebody tells me, yeah, you have a hearing loss and then tries to justify why I should spend $8,000 for these hearing aids, I'm instantly going to feel like on the defense and trying to rationalize, but do I actually need that? Is it really worth that? Yeah, I'm hearing, but I can kind of follow people. I'm getting by just fine all of the excuses and rationalizations start happening where now we're having to validate the price. But one simple tip transformed things for these audiologists. And that's when, when you talk to people about the value and you educate them before you ever touch their ears, it's now education. It's not being sold to. It's a different Hmm. perception on the other end. So what we taught was how do we actually have the conversations and educate people around the difference between hearing and understanding around how mumbling and seeing that other people are mumbling is actually hearing loss and talking about life situations that are actually happening and the impacts of those before we ever applied the hearing test. And what that did was when we then got to the point where we validated their hearing loss with a hearing test and then presented them the offer, $8,000 felt like an easy yes because I wanted to be able to hear my husband. I wanted to be able to hear my kids. I wanted to be able to communicate in those different environments. 
I share this with you is because what I see a lot of times happen with course creators or digital product creators is they wait until the moment where they open the cart or they have the big buy this now. And then they try to, it's going to sound bad, but backpedal and justify Mm -hmm. the price. But if we're doing that, it means that we are now trying to convince our audience that our, our offer is valuable to them, even if we're using language that resonates. So a small twist that we want to consider is how do we actually educate them on the front end and help them see the that the problem that they're having, the struggle they're having is maybe bigger than they thought, the implications of that problem? How do we educate them and equip them with different solutions they can try? How do we build the value and education on the front end so that when the offer comes, it feels lighter? And of course, there's still going to be objections. Of course, people are still going to be like, but what about this? But often what happens is instead of you introducing rationale for the first time, you actually go back to education you've already taught to show them how the two things connect. Okay. So would this look like throughout the year sharing testimonials or sharing, here's what's happening right now with the students in the course, look at what the difference it's made, kind of just showing how this helps people before the cart opens? Is that... Yeah, it's this is the whole point. This is where like free content and education is really important, right? And you can do that in a variety of ways. It can be year round. Uh, like for you, you're doing great things on your podcast. You're educating all the time. Uh, you can be doing it in your newsletter or posting blogs or articles and really ensuring that the information directly before that offer period, many people call that a runway. You want to really make sure that the sequence of that content really paints a picture for that person to develop that desire for your product or offer. So what I always say is if you have top objections to your product or your course or your service, ask yourself, what are the what are the true objections, right? So if somebody says that's too much money or it's way too expensive, price is uh, typically not the actual objection. It's that people don't see the value in it, as you've already mm-hmm. identified with, with that scenario that you brought up earlier. Is how do I communicate the value of that? Uh, because we all know we bought things that we probably should have not have bought in, in the past. We'll find a way to pay for it if we really want something. And mm-hmm. uh, just look at our Amazon carts. So right. what we have to think about is if we have objections that are happening, how do we address those objections through education earlier in the customer journey? Now, for some, if you have a, quite frankly, a more expensive product, you're going to need more time for that education. But if you're selling a $27 product, well, that education might just be on part of your checkout page. So it it Mm -hmm. depends on the product, but we have to start shifting from uh, validating the price to educating the value of something before we even introduce the offer. Okay. And then for my listeners who sell a quilt pattern or a fabric bundle, does the education process still apply or is, I mean, yeah. How does that work for a a product, a standalone product like that? I don't work as much with people with product style businesses, right? So I'll kind of give my opinion here. Don't take it as as gospel, but the Mm -hmm. idea is we're we're always educating. We're always selling, right? So even buying a $9 product or a $30 product, there's still some element where somebody is saying, Ooh, is this worth it? So we just want to ensure that the language around it really speaks to the problems and desires that our actual client wants. I, for me, I grew up with a quilter. My mom was a quilter. She was also a seamstress. That was her side business that she had in on our dining room table when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And even though she did a lot of the stuff she did for free, um, but she also sold um, things. She had local clientele that would come over and, and she would um, do alterations for them. For her there was value in that. Right. And I, if I think about if she were still here, um, I lost her one many years ago. Um, but if she were still here today and she was doing something online, she would be building relationships with people online, right? She might not be doing alterations for people cause it's a very special thing, but if she was selling patterns or she was selling even quilts online, she would have to cultivate a relationship with people who would become her buyers. So if you think about this, for people to know about your quilting store or to know about your products, they're probably not just randomly stumbling upon it. They might be rambling, stumbling upon a blog post or uh, maybe an article you did or a pin on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. Everything that you do, every little thing that you put out, you're speaking to your customer and there is value in that. 
a lot of those value points could address objections. They could address um, exciting desires that your people have. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it still applies, but the the journey in which somebody needs to follow the value conversation is much, much shorter when it's a smaller product. Yeah. Okay. And I have got to ask because I did listen to one of your podcasts where you talked about your mom and I and very conservative home growing up. And I guess she did like some sewing for like a Chippendale. <laughs> She's my favorite story. Yes. Yeah, so my mom's seamstress, right? So I was raised in a yeah, pretty religious household. And I remember, I, I, don't, I think it was my 14th birthday. This is the scenario I put in my head. It's like 14 or 16. I was pretty young. I came home early. We had early release. And my mom had a client that she was trying to hide. And it was a very attractive man. And he had a shirt off in our dining room. Because again, her, her seamstress office was our dining room. And she was like, go to your room right now. And I'm like, what? And this man, he had on like a, like it was bare chested fireman co- like outfit, like a legit fireman, whatever outfit. And she was uh, taking the seams out of the sides and replacing them with Velcro so that he could like pull it off very easily. Um, still to this day, I laugh so hard. It's one of my favorite memories. I'm sure she's looking down and being like, that's what you're telling people? That will go in a chapter yeah. in my book one day. <laughs> so how did she meet that client? Like, how did they find her? I have no her? idea. Again, these are the stories I wish I could ask her. I, I just laugh about those things. And again, like, I remember it as a kid, right? There's probably some weird story behind that. And I'm probably remembering pieces of it. But I just laugh. Like, that's one of my favorite, my favorite stories. I loved it. Yes, absolutely. So then kind of looking at your business a little differently as a business owner, as people who are like, well, how did you grow your business? I'm curious how you've grown your business because you, you know, you've started in a corporate world and shifted. So let's hear this adventure. I think the, the trial and error, right. Of being willing to try things and failing a lot. I love, I love failing. I don't love the feeling of failing, but I love the growth and failing. Uh, and, and what mm-hmm. I mean by that, I've gotten really comfortable of, uh, studying different ways to do things. So I've heavily invested in my education online, knowing that the online space for me was new. I didn't know about email marketing. So I needed to buy a course to study it. I didn't know about how to put together a digital funnel or, um, what, evergreen meant, which means essentially you have products up online to buy all the time. I didn't know about those things. And I also knew that I could either figure it out on my own, or I could just buy a course to learn how to do it. So I heavily invested very early. And I was, I was very fortunate that I had an incredible cushy executive job. And I bought a lot of my education while I was still employed knowing that I had money then with my salary coming yeah. in. So I front loaded my education knowing that I would need it eventually. And when I, so when I started, I also knew that I, I needed to prioritize profit and revenue out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit of a side tangent here, but I think it's important for business owners, especially women to hear. I have realized that I approach building my business a little differently than others in the online space where I knew right out of the gate, my very first month I needed to replace my salary and my job. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was just a non-negotiable. So I developed different revenue pathways to make that happen. So I knew I wanted to do digital programs eventually, but I also knew that month one, that wasn't going to happen to have that kind of revenue. So I did speaking. I did one-on-one clients. I did consulting. Um, I did some random things. I shot a commercial in uh, in Tennessee for, some, for an old cool. client who wanted a face for their business. I, I did random things, seemingly random, right, to keep the lights on and to get funded and develop profit and slowly started building up my audience. So for me, like that was what was most important was the how do we make money in a way that's aligned with what I do, but also I'm not so specific on only making money a certain way. So that was one thing. But the thing that really helped my business grow was twofold. It was one, starting my podcast mm-hmm. and showing up. And it wasn't that my podcast is so huge and amazing and attracts all these people. It was more about my podcast gave me a platform to show up every single week. And it gave a place for people to show up and listen to me and my message and me to start adding that value chain to them every single week. So I think there's this big mistake we think as entrepreneurs that we're going to get our messaging right out of the gate or we have to get it perfect. And I want you to think about that speaking, what you talk about, your stories, it is an evolution. 
And one of the most important things I work on with my, with my members in my program is we say, we focus on the now, not forever. It's, it's for now, not forever. Meaning I just want you to get a story out now. I just want you to get some, some language out now, some ideas out now, get your content out now. It doesn't mean that that's going to be your thing that you talk about forever. It doesn't mean that's going to be perfect, but you just have to get it out to see how it resonates. And then Mm -hmm. you can keep doing it over and over. So showing up on my podcast was the first, that was my establishment of I'm a voice in the industry and I'm going to act like I'm a big deal, even though I'm not like, I'm just going to (laughs) show up and do it. And then for me, and this is what I teach guest speaking on other people's stages and podcasts have been the accelerated for my business. Not because they are a huge, like all of a sudden my list is thousands upon thousands. But for me, when I guest speak on a podcast like this, I spend 30 minutes in someone's ear. They get to know me. And for those who are like, man, this chick has some funny stories. Like I like the way she's talking about this resonates. They come and follow me and they are already closer to buying from me. So not everybody buys, obviously, and I don't expect them to, but they are already warmed up. So I have a very engaged email list. I have really high conversion rates for my products and programs because I don't do cold traffic ads. I do guest speaking as a way to organically grow a following that's engaged and actually wants what I, what I have to offer. So you don't do paid ads at all. I I've played with them in the past and I will do them in the future, but no, I don't, I don't do paid traffic. Hmm, that's very intriguing because I've tried it. It's grown my email list, but it's not, it's not the engagement. So this is, I like hearing different ways, creative ways to think outside the box. To grow yeah. Your audience. I like to focus on, I would much rather have a smaller list with higher conversion rates than a very mm-hmm. large list with low conversion rates for a variety of reasons. But I'm a big, fo- I'm a big fan of intentional visibility and focusing on quality growth uh, versus just going off. I I don't accept the industry standards of a 1% or 3% conversion rate. For me, I'm like, I could spend a lot of money and effort trying to grow my list, or I can spend my money or or my effort uh, closing sales and helping people. So I choose to spend money. I love that. (laughs) And I just think it's a long-term game. Like you're thinking of this in a long-term, not just a quick growth, but if you really foster those friendships and, you know, I I just feel like that that's more my route. It's not the route for everyone, but. Yeah. It's relationship-based marketing. It's relationship-based marketing's finest because when you do something like this, right, guest speaking in someone's group or on a podcast, not only do you have an opportunity to, to help people, right? Like everything that I say today isn't going to resonate with every person listening. And I don't expect everyone to go, Oh, everything she said was for me. No, the goal is there should be one or two things that you take from this episode where you're like, wow, I hadn't thought about that before. And you carry that with you. Right. So there's the Mm -hmm. benefits in that. And those who are like, Oh man, I want to learn how to do a little bit more of this. I want to get more articulate. I want to do guest speaking. I want to grow my audience. Well, then they'll choose to to stick around and, and follow me elsewhere. But the benefit also happens that now Elizabeth, you and I are connected. And you and I are mm-hmm. spending this time together where now I'm excited to learn more about what you do. You're probably excited to learn more what I do. And now we've fostered a relationship that could turn into referring partnerships or, or joint ventures or uh, just me being able to be like, oh, I know this person over here. You got to talk to Elizabeth on the podcast. We just talk about each other. There's this yeah. really beautiful relationship that happens beyond just the quote unquote list building aspect. Yeah, which I, I'm all... I'm digging that, which reminds me. Okay. So you touched on this and I want to dig on this. Um, you took courses and you, you know, I'm assuming that it was pricey based on, you said I had a corporate job and so I could upfront the cost, but I'm curious two things. One, who your biggest mentors and helpers have been. And two, if you can just touch on, because there is this fear that I see with, with everyone, this fear to invest you know, I want to earn money with my business before I invest money, but I've seen it myself and everyone I've had on this podcast who is successful has invested money in their <laughs> business and they find their people who guide them. Cause not everyone's equal. You know, not every teacher is going to be the right fit or the right lessons offer value, but yeah. So your mentors and then paying 
to see success. Okay. I'm going to actually start with a second question and then we'll move into the mental. Okay. So I, I have a different perspective than a lot of people and it's directly because of my experience. So my role in my old job as an executive, I was the VP of learning and development. And my job was running the training team, running the events team where we ran live conferences and virtual training for all of these doctors and their teams that we worked with. So my job was literally to persuade people of the power of professional development. That was my job, Ooh, right? So wow, okay. I learned, Speak right? Up, yeah. I had to convince these doctors. They had their own independent practices. We uh, we offered the training for them, the training support for them and their teams to learn how to better engage patients, better run their businesses, all those kinds of things. And even though technically speaking, people wanted training, persuading them to spend money to fly to a conference, to finish the digital learning, that was a conversation. So my professional career has been the power of professional and personal development. That the reason why I was so successful, I mean, I started that company as an event coordinator and I skyrocketed my way up that ladder to an executive over my time there. I was there a decade. And for me, the reason why I was so successful is because I invested in my own personal development while learning how to articulate the value of professional development. So when I came in the space, I already came in with the idea that growth happens through learning. That is how success happens, in my opinion. We're always learning. We should always be uh, finessing our toolbox, figuring out what skills do we need, learning more about ourselves and how we communicate. That is ingrained in how I show up. To me, uh, career and growth go hand in hand. So for me, it was never a conversation around, oh, I know everything. I don't need learning. It was the, which skills do I not have that are going to become hazardous Towards mm-hmm. my success, meaning like right out of the gate, I need to learn how to write email copy. I need to learn how to write newsletter type email. I need to learn how to sales emails. Uh, I need to learn how to run webinars that are sales based, not education based. I had to, I started asking the questions, not where do I suck? Well, kind of, where do I suck? But what are the, <laughs> right? We build a skills list. And what I find a lot of times for entrepreneurs is we get so focused on this idea that we have to know all the things and it becomes very emotional. And I like to bring things back around. If I want to grow my confidence, it's through growing my skills. So I make a list of what are the skills I need to be successful in this next six months or 12 months or whatever time frame we set, right? So I did that very early on. I signed up for programs. Uh, I, this is years, years ago. I signed up for StoryBrand because I wanted to learn more about mm-hmm. the storytelling aspect for brand building. I signed up for CopyCure, uh, which is Marie Forleo's copywriting program because I wanted to learn mm-hmm. more about um, how to, copy is different than just writing, right? So those were very early investments. I also took some of Michael Hyatt's programs. So that was like the very early journey and then when I launched in the space, um, one of my my big mentors early on, we mentioned earlier, Amy Porterfield, mm-hmm. she was that podcast in my ears when I made the decision to leave my corporate job. I was on maternity leave. Every day, my little newborn baby, baby number two, he and oh. I would go walk around the neighborhood and Amy Porterfield was in my earbuds, working for me yeah. at hearing aids, and <laughs> she was with me, right? She was that... Um, big sis mentor cheering me on that I can do it. That got me thinking about all those things, helping me start identifying what skills I needed. So she was the first. Uh, and then a big one for me, I'll mention is Tarzan K. She's also a copywriter. Um, super spunky. She was the first big program I invested in. I did both her, um, group coaching program of her email stars back when she used to run it. And I was in her mastermind. So I did both of those within my first year full-time in business. And they were really powerful for me. Okay, Mastermind. And I have listened to your podcast on Mastermind because- Yes, with Jen was on and we talked about yes. that. Just, yeah, so, so I do free Masterminds I participated in. I do paid Masterminds. I'm in Brendan Burchard's Marketing Mastermind right now. Uh, it's so it's so fun. I'm in there with like another 100 business owners. Um, yeah, I'm constantly investing in my personal development and my my business development. That is definitely one of my um, one of my priorities. So how does one get into Brendan Burchard's? Is that how, like, that's, that would be highly, I, I would love that, but it seems like <laughs> everyone would love that. Well, this so. one, so I am a certified high performance coach through uh, the High Performance oh. Institute. And so there was an, uh, an offer extended for those, but just to be clear, he's got different levels of mastermind. So his like super inner circle one 
I am not in that, but it's on my dream board. Yep. Uh, so this one was one that he opened to the public uh, last year. And I, I don't know if he's doing it again this year, but I highly recommend it. It's been great. He teaches a playbook every single month on different marketing tactics. And you get a network with some really incredible business owners. Okay, I shall be. Are you going to be offering any kind of mastermind? Do you? Oh, offer? good question. Yes, yes, I totally am. This has been on my list since I started. I, I ran a mastermind three years ago, but it was just kind of a test drive thing, and uh, it's been on my goal list. And so that's coming in 2022. We're still working out the details for it, but running a mastermind that's not just about speaking, but it's about becoming the kind of business owner that you love, so that you feel so confident when you show up in life and business that it pulls the kind of people that you want to in. So we'll be talking about life. We'll talk about habits. We'll talk about um, selling and money. Um, we'll be covering a lot of those things, but I'm excited to share more on that in 2022. Uh, you put me on the wait list. Please perfect. tell me what do, <laughs> do you need to be a part of the the, the class? Or what, we'll chat later. Okay, Anyways, perfect, put me on the perfect. list. We'll chat. <laughs> um, so one thing that I really love that you asked, and you're probably like, I don't know if I'd word it that way, but I'm glad you did. You asked, where do I suck? <laughs> so when you said that, I was, because I have all these courses and things that I am like, well, I could really benefit from this and this and this and this. But if I step back and ask, where am I really sucking right now? Like, what could I use the most? It became very clear just in that moment. Ah, that's the one I need to do because that's where I'm hurting the most, you know? Yeah. So I really like that question. Yeah. And it, and the question is, right, is the backup question to that is going, but is this something that I actually need to do or would be more powerful to hire out? So one thing I do mm -hmm. want to say for anybody listening, I made the decision very early in my business to outsource two things. And it was probably technically speaking before I was quote unquote ready, but I knew I had to get on my plate. So I do not edit my podcast. I, I, I have, I've had a podcast editor from day one. Number mm -hmm. two, I hired a virtual assistant. She's now with me full time. She's been with me now for well, we're celebrating her two year anniversary this week. So nice. for me, I have an assistant and she does so much for me behind the scenes. So there are things that sure I could have gotten the course or the skill, but I made the intentional decision that that wasn't the best use of my time and energy because I come back to profitability over prof, uh, popularity. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so yeah. I choose to make sure that most of my time is spent to learning growth on skills that are going to help me show up and add more value to my audience and be able to drive a profit for my business. So does your virtual assistant help with your email? That's my like Achilles heel. Yeah, she does. Uh, now I write all my emails. So for me, my voice is a really powerful thing. Um, I'll use the caveat. I've hired copywriters to help with launch copy for sure. And, mm -hmm. uh, but for my weekly emails and such, uh, I write them all, but she does all the scheduling for them. She'll actually create templates and set them up for me. Um, so I don't touch my email software at all. <laughs> In fact, wow. there's been a few times that I've had to do it and then I screw it up and she's like, please get out of there. Don't touch it. <laughs> so she does that, but I, I will tell you that I I've trained her on everything, right? She didn't know anything about the online space. So I've trained her how to do these things. I've trained her how to use the systems. And one of the things she does for me now is she actually creates 95% of all of my podcast show notes, blog posts, and transcripts I show up and record, she takes it from there, she takes it to the 95% mark, and then I review it, tweak it, and we post it. So the power awesome. of delegating, but I will tell you, it's the power of training someone and then trusting them to run with it and giving them really good feedback. That to me has been the biggest game changer for my business. Okay. And out of curiosity, what email platform do you use? Is it <laughs> convert no not convertkit is that what it is? I I use convertkit but it's because very 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 early before I was in full time my business they had a black friday sale and somebody oh. had followed recommended it so I just I bought it and I still have grandfathered into the black friday rate but everything else I use kajabi and if I were to do it again for my business size now I would just put everything on kajabi but I I use convertkit mm -hmm. technically for email okay Okay. And one thing I just have to say before we wrap it up here, I love that you are comfortable speaking well of yourself, especially as females. I feel like we get really uncomfortable with tooting our own horns. I don't see that a lot with men and call me sexist, whatever, but I, I love that you said I skyrocketed up the ladder and you're confident saying that. And I love it. I, I where does this come from? This confidence? <laughs> Is that a learned thing? It, it's, it's a learned thing. It's for sure. I was a really shy kid, right? I'm the youngest of six kids. 
I, my entire life, I've, I've been kind of says the youngest, right? I was both babied, but also had to grow up pretty quickly, especially watching my mom fight with cancer as a kid. I think kind of looking back to things, I had to grow up really early. And I also had to know very early that it was up to me and only me to, to make money and to carve my path. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, I, I went to college, not because my parents said to go to college. We, we were from a very blue collar family. People didn't go to college in my house. So I made the choice to go to college because I had this picture of what I wanted my life to be. And so coming back to all of it, I, there's two words that come to mind. It's confidence, but there's also humility, right? Mm-hmm. Where somebody who is super confident, but they have no humility, they're not actually confident. They're just cocky. And when you're so confident and you're not aware of how you come across to other people or how it actually helps other people, that's just cockiness and that's a turnoff. But when you have a deep rooted sense of humility of where you came from, how quite privileged or lucky you are to be in your position, how hard you've worked and you know that it takes a lot of hard work to get somewhere. When you have that reverence and appreciation for the hard work that goes with it, you can show up with more confidence knowing that it's not necessarily a fluke, like you've earned your right to be there. And I think the more that you own that you're awesome and that you have great success and that you have worked your tail off and be aware of the gifts and, you know, the, the game shoots and ladders. Mm-hmm. I talk about like there, in life, there's a version of that, right? You're going to fall down the shoots and be like, oh crap, but stand back up and you're going to climb the ladder. And sometimes you're going to get gifted an elevator or an escalator. It's not in that mm-hmm. game, but let's go with the analogy. I just understanding all those things together what I've learned in my career and in my life that when I show up more confident, it gives other people confidence because in every experience I've been in, people are looking for someone to tell them that things are going to be okay. They're looking for Mm -hmm. someone to tell them where the bathroom is at an event. They're looking for someone to tell them when's the next break. That's for me in my corporate event background. People are looking for someone to lead them. We're all hungry for a leader or a mentor. And when I learned that I could be that and I naturally stepped into that and people looked at me, I started saying, I have to own that because if I start questioning myself or if I start looking for directions from someone else, I'm going to let these people down. So for mm-hmm. me, that confidence comes from the idea that I, I am a natural leader, but not because I want to be the center of attention, but because I have been gifted the experiences in life, the hardships in life that have allowed me to relate with people and have allowed me to help other people find resiliency and hope or I don't know, what, whatever it is in their life. So I've just really settled in that role. And, and one of the things that's really important to me is be an example of what's possible And I have to show that to my students. So when I hear a student show up and crapping on themselves for their terrible live or how they got their story wrong, I have to instantly shut it down and say, let's talk about the good stuff. Because Mm -hmm. if we're, if we're crapping on our own experiences, if we're the first ones to give the bad advice, that's not going to help us grow. We have to focus on our strengths first and then correct for the skills needed, but not, not make it a whole emotional thing. That was part, that was way more than you bargained for, but that's what came to mind for me. Well, I love it. And I think you mentioned Donald Miller that you studied his story brand. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, I went through his program back. What was that? 2017, I think. I didn't even know he's been around that long. I feel like I'm just learning, but he talks about the hero's journey and us as the business owner, we're the guide. And if you think of like Yoda or Dumbledore, you know, they're if they show these cracks of like, hmm, what should we do? It's all of a sudden like, wait a minute, you're my guide. You're supposed to be the one guiding me. So does that ever give you pressure to like be perfect or I don't know? It used to. It, it used to, but here's what I've learned about it. Um, and in fact, I was just talking to my students about this the other day. I, When you put this pressure on yourself to be perfect because we don't want to let other people down, it actually uh, – it, it it works to your disadvantage. Be- uh, here's mm-hmm. what happens. When you try to be perfect and realize that you can't be perfect all the time, right? You're going to have bad days. You're going to question yourself. Things are going to get really hard. If you can let go of that for a moment, say, I can stand strong and still have insecurities. I can still have the imposter syndrome. I can still have my issues. And I can talk about them with my people so they don't think that the goal is to eliminate all those thoughts. I don't ever want my students or anyone listening thinking like, oh, one day it's all going to be perfect. And when I reach that spot on my goal list, everything is going to feel fine. That's actually not true. There's still insecurities. There's still imposter syndrome. There's still struggles. There's still just last week I was boxing with some of my friends in the online space around how 
my poor toddler is having these wild, crazy tantrums. And it's so hard to go like, I'm on, on stage, on Mm -hmm. the virtual stuff. And then I'm home and he's screaming like a, oh my gosh, like it just won't stop. That's still real, right? It doesn't matter how I grow my business. Sometimes things are just going to happen. And coming back to it with my students, when I share the realness of the vulnerability, not like, woe is me, here's my drama, but going a peek into my life that there are still struggles, even when you are rocking it, even when you're comfortable, even when you're getting the results, like it still happens. It normalizes it. And it's almost like this, like this, oh, Mm -hmm. it's okay for me to feel that too. And that for me, like I, one of the things that I've always heard from uh, people either on my teams or, or people that follow me online or in my old world, they tell me how they're, you actually walk the talk. And what, what they mean by that and that compliment is the, I'm willing to show them that I'm imperfect and that has become part of my brand. And it's in that imperfection, I can equally hold space for my expert status and really knowing that I'm good at what I do, but I'm not so above the idea of thinking that I'm perfect or trying to mask it. I can show them the imperfections and create space for them to do the same. Which I think is what drew me to you. I It's very refreshing to find people who are real and can share the good and the bad, but, but healthy ways to manage it. And anyhow, it's very refreshing. So I really am glad that you shared that. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. So to wrap things up, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Are you yes, ready? I am ready. I've been excited for these. <laughs> Good. All right. Are you an introvert or extrovert? Right on the line in the middle. I lean more towards introvert. No way. I was like, she's for sure extrovert. I am okay, not. I'm that? actually exhausted. Today's an all video day and tonight I'm in a crash. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Okay. Dream vacation, beach, city, or mountains. Okay. I'm going to break all the rules. Uh, I would do all three. And we just did this recently. We took a three week vacation as a family that was in the city, the beach and the mountains. So we Where? actually like all of them. That's why I live in Portland is because it's in the city or oh. an hour from the beach or an hour from the mountains. <laughs> okay. You rule breaker. You. I Okay. What's your favorite thing to do to veg out and relax? How, how do you relax? I love reading. Uh, I love reading both personal development business books, but I love a good novel book of the month club is like my favorite guilty pleasure. I love reading like, um, detective murder mysteries based in uh, London. I don't know why that's my weird thing, but there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very fun. So on that topic, what is a book that you think everyone should read? Oh, okay. I am a book lover. I have a big list. So let me go with a, let me go with one I read recently that I really, really enjoyed, especially since we're talking to people who are in the online space. Um, it's Evan Carmichael built Mm -hmm. to serve. And the reason why I recommend that one is I feel like he does an exceptional job really encapsulating what it's like this, this idea to have a big mission to want to help people, but also how to get your message out in a way where it resonates and therefore you can become effective in selling your, your business. So I love built to serve. It's a really, really phenomenal book and I'm a big fan of Evan. Okay. Well, I'll put that in the show notes too. And if people want to find you, where's a good place to find you? Yeah. Well, the best place, the HubSpot is at my website, heathersager.com. But I'm also all over the place on social media at the Heather Sager. And I know we talked about speaking today. We talked about this needing to be perfect, but it doesn't actually happen. Um, One of the things I'm working on right now, it's not out yet, but I want to give your audience a teasers. I'm working on a free training to help with filler words and how to sound more professional when you show up with your voice. So if that's something anybody wants to grab, it's totally free. It's not done yet. So if you just send me a direct message on social media and just let me know you heard me today and give a shout out to Elizabeth, uh, I will definitely send you that link when it's ready here in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been so great. Thanks so much for being here, Heather. You're welcome, Elizabeth. I am so excited to help you work on your eyebrow story in the future. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Heather, thank you so much for being on the show. I absolutely love chatting with you and hearing the tips, putting you on the spot. And I can't wait to work with you in the future. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to rate the podcast. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show, if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thank you so much for being here, and I will see you next week on the Craft to Career podcast. Mm-hmm.